You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. I love what I do. I truly enjoy it and it fills me up and my life has to come first and allowing my life to come first actually keeps me excited for the work that I do. So often with brand visibility work, we are given the tangibles, the things we need to learn. We seek out learning new information, listening to new podcast episodes, taking new workshops, and all of that is amazing. And it's also so incredibly important to take the time to integrate what we've learned. What is possible when you make the time and the space to revisit what you've learned and figure out how to integrate that into your life, into your business, into your brand, into your visibility? Well, that's exactly what we're talking about on this episode. In this episode, we're changing things up a little bit because Erica Corday is going to interview me about integrating what I've been learning. You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire, the branding and visibility podcast where we own our values as we amplify our influence. I'm your host, India Jackson, but today I'm kind of like your co-host because I'm being interviewed by host of Pause on the Play and Pause on the Play co-founder along with myself, Erica Corday. So let me tell you about Erica. In 2018, Erica co-founded the Pause on the Play podcast after receiving requests from listeners for a space to connect on the show's topics. Erica expanded the Pause on the Play brand to include a community and consultancy. Her leadership has now helped hundreds of individuals define their values, diversify their networks, and call people into conversations about inclusivity and individuality. A certified coach and 20-plus year beauty veteran, Erica has provided training for established businesses such as Blue Cross Blue Shield, Martha Beck Incorporated, and Paul Mitchell School. Her voice has been featured on podcasts, workshops, and online communities with a combined reach of over 10,000 people. You can learn more about Erica's work by visiting pauseontheplay.com. Again, that is pauseontheplay.com. I am so excited to have Erica here with us today. Hello. Woo, hello. <laughs> uh, how are things with you, Erica? It's been a little while since you've been here on the show. I'm so excited to be back. I love being able to show up as like, I'm not the host, but today I get to be the host a little bit and it's not my space. 
So I'm like, oh, that's fun. I get to go play in the sandbox somewhere else. It's like a play date. I'm here for it. <laughs> that's a funny way to put that. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Things have been good. It's been warming up. My, my plants are happy. I got super, super hot. And now it's kind of getting back to normal. So I'm like, oh, thank you. Don't fry my brain yet. But I'm excited that spring has sprung. And here we are. Same, same. Except for the grass part. The mowing of the lawns. Yeah, not so much. That. Yeah, I'm not really here for that part. My my allergies don't like that. That I can agree with. Like, no, thank you there. No, <laughs> I've thank been you popping the Zyrtec that. like candy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, if I don't take it every day, I'm miserable and nobody deserves that, including me. <laughs> so, no, I won't. So, that being said, I have taken my Zyzol and I'm good today. And I wanted to actually talk with you. I know that you and I spend a lot of time in you know all of the brands that are pause on the play and affiliated with pause on the play font your fire um, me over and erica corday and even in our life and integration is a word that i feel like we talk about so much and the reality is is like we 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 talk about it so much and it's like at the same time like we're we're bringing it into our community so that there is more of an opportunity to really kind of pause and acknowledge like you know, are you integrating what you've learned or are you learning just for the sake of learning? So I wanted to kind of ask you some questions to see where you are right now with your own integration. <laughs> yes, I'm excited. And <laughs> even with just what you said, like some things have already come up. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. So I want to actually do this slightly differently. I actually want you to start by reminding everybody what integration is and what it isn't. Because I feel like whenever we talk about words that are overused, um, it's it's purposeful and intentional to pause and really acknowledge what this is and what it isn't. You know, I feel like my strength is sharing from story. So I'll just say for me, integrating has been an interesting journey for me. Um, realizing that in human design, we had a lovely workshop with Cynthia Davis and um, where I know that I'm a generator, but it, I really went back and revisited what that means and that I'm designed to do, to do a lot, <laughs> to do until I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what my body needs and it's designed to produce. Um, there have been many years of my life where I have defaulted to thinking that integration means doing the things that you just learned, right? Mm. And now that I'm 35 and have processed a lot of trauma that I'm still, you know, working through, I think that's always a process. But um, I'm in a different place of life. I'm looking at things differently. I'm approaching things differently. I've also looked at integration differently and have come to not just know, but actually begin to integrate, <laughs> using the word in its definition, that integration also includes figuring out what you're becoming based on what you've learned, not just doing it away, but asking yourself, what do you need to embody in that process? I love the word embody and I love that entire concept of becoming. And I feel like you can't even talk about becoming without, you know, acknowledging that sometimes it's, it's an unbecoming, it's a letting go of. And 
honestly, that makes me think about, you know, last December and we were talking about what's essential and we were going back through again for like the 511th time, one of our favorite books, Essentialism. Um, and another book that was written by the same author, Greg McCowan, Effortless. Mm. And I feel like my own personal journey with essentialism um, was very much supported by you and witnessing you really bringing the concept of essentialism and minimalism into your life and how some of that's rubbed off on me. I'm curious if those are things that are still coming up for you. Cause I mean, that was December. It was a long time ago. It's May. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've so appreciated and just really love the fact that a lot of my integration has been integrating with community um, and realizing that I'm the type of learner that I can default to doing away things like, oh, I need to create this checklist and do check the things off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I'm left to my own devices of learning new things or reading new books solo, but that community piece really does make me pause to take a look at the more emotional pieces, the more becoming pieces. And one of the huge things that's come up for me um, based on some of the conversations that we were having in Pause and the Play of the Community back in December about reconnecting with what's essential wasn't just re-looking at what's essential for me in my life right now and how that's evolved. That's been huge. Um, but it was also releasing things like we played a 30 day minimalism game where I got rid of like over 300 things. And a lot of those things were physical things, but also some of them were like head trash because <laughs> right. that's trash too. That's, that's things taking up space. And then there's just so many pieces to looking at what's essential that I think when we just intellectualize something, we can miss. So if I look back at, I would say it was maybe like seven years ago. Please provide any clarification on that number, Erica, if you need to. <laughs> Where you had me write a blog article for your business Silver Immersion, which has like a lot of people getting married and things like that um, as a part of that business. And I was talking about the difference between simple living, essentialism and minimalism for me and what that looked like in tangible examples in my life and uh, trying to inspire people getting married that it might be a good time to visit things like that. So much of what I was talking about then was a tangible and it was coming from a place of definitely attempting to be helpful. Um, but I had missed the diversity, equity, inclusion pieces of that <laughs> um, to where while I was tweaking the things that I was learning to work for me as a black woman in America and the unique things that came with that, I also have a certain amount of privilege that maybe other people don't have and some unique nuances there that got missed in the content that was being created by other people talking about minimalism that was being produced. A lot of it was based on aesthetics. A lot of it was like giving you the idea that if you wanted to uh, have a more simple home, you had to have these exact jars that are from this brand and they cost $20 a glass jar. And it's like, not everybody has access to that. <laughs> right. And so for me revisiting this, you know, in the last year, I came back to it with a very 
different energy than I ever have. And it feels more like home for me as somebody who does identify as a minimalist and essentialist than it ever has. So of course that really brings to mind for me how it is that that level of awareness has maybe shifted how you're influencing others that are maybe learning about minimalism or essentialism through conversations with you, through witnessing your own experiences, because everything I'm hearing you say, as well as, you know, how it's impacted me, it's been about the influence piece of that. Yeah. um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind uh, is realizing that um, a big part of what I am showing by example, (laughs) not necessarily telling you, you need to do this, is the small things you can do every day. One of those things for me has been um, really looking at what you already have and uh, recognizing that, well, I love the concepts of minimalism, essentialism. If you look at what the influencers in those industries are displaying and showcasing and talking about, and even the zero waste movement, which can be intertwined, um, a lot of it is still coming from an energy of you need to buy these things and you need to do it this exact way and you need to have like this all white and wood aesthetic. <laughs> and that is so like not true. Right. Um, that's not what the the concepts were originally like getting you to think about. Um, and so for me, it's been redemonstrating that you can have color I love color. You love color. Color is in all of our brands. And so it doesn't make sense to have, you know, an all white house or a wardrobe that doesn't have any red in it. I love red (laughs) Mm -hmm. because the influences are saying you need an all black and white wardrobe. No, thank you. I mean, I haven't even figured out how to keep white white. So that is like a whole nother conversation. Same. I put on white and it's a shade of dingy in like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> but breaking up with those ideas that honestly bring us back to consumerism. It's so insidious how you see these like very abstract sometimes concepts of oppression mm-hmm. and racism make their way into things that are actually supposed to create freedom. So, of course, that makes me think about the concept of systems and where systems show up in, to use your word, those insidious places, you know, when we don't expect them, when we didn't know that they were coming, um, when they don't actually support, you know, our highest good, when they're absolutely not equitable. And... You know, I feel like when we recognize that, it might sound like, oh, it's a bad thing, but it's like, no, there's also something on the other side. And everything that I really heard from you really did go back to the fact of like, there are these systems that are put in place to make you feel like you have to do it this way or it's wrong. And none of that feels free. None of that feels equitable. None of that is DEI friendly in any way, shape or form. And it's not supportive of a person being an individual. Absolutely. Um, I would say a big thing that comes to mind for me is looking at my time. Um, I am very grateful for Ashley Gartland, who came into our community to teach a workshop called Systems and Shifts to Create More Time Freedom in Your Business. Mm -hmm. And 
It sounds so businessy. I'm sure as you hear me share the title and oh, she did a workshop about that. No, y'all. Uh, it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> because I think that there's so many systems out there you can use in your business. And yet we don't pause enough to ask ourselves, is the system creating more work? Mm. Or is the system working for me in the life that I want to have? Right. Um, there's so much narrative and conversation around, oh, you need to separate life from business. You need to separate your politics from your content and all these things. But I think when we segment things so much, we miss the big picture of why we're here. I don't think anybody created a business to spend their entire life like revolving around their work. But so much rhetoric that's out there and so much of the systems that are in place are really there to create more output, more hustle. And that doesn't feel like freedom for me. I mean, I feel like my ancestors already worked more than enough for the next couple generations. Child, say it again. Me. Say it again. I need some life back. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. I need like extra living and extra fun and extra life on top of whatever would be considered the normal just to make up for like my parents, (laughs) let alone a generation before that. Right. Well, and honestly, it's the imposter that tells us that we can't. Because for those of you that maybe haven't heard me say it before, imposter syndrome um, and I had a recent episode over on Pause in the Play where I talked about where it came from. But I have a spin on it and I feel like the imposter is not who you're becoming. It's who you're letting go of. And everything that you just mentioned is that imposter that we had to be to get here. And what's next? It's like, we don't have to work like this. We don't have to hustle like this. Our worth is not based on our output, our integrity and our our value and, and our Impact is not based on how much did I do for somebody else and how did they quantify me? It's not. Well, absolutely yes to everything that you just said. And recognizing for myself um, that the imposter has completely told me that I needed to do those things and has also allowed me in the past to build my life around what's happening with work. So the clients can be on the calendar first, and then I have to figure out where can I fit in time with my family? You know, there were definitely many things around, like, where does this thing fit in? And realizing, oh, you know, I love what I do. I truly enjoy it. And it fills me up. And my life has to come first. Right. And allowing my life to come first actually keeps me excited for the work that I do. I also think that there's a certain amount of, and Amna Armand has talked about it previously on the podcast, but there's a certain amount of toxic humility and humbleness, I think that was there that I began to unpack Mm. as a part of the conversations we've had in our community, especially when we were digging into reconsidering your normal um, and realizing that my imposter tells me that you can't have fun. You need to take things seriously, right? You can't take a vacation. And yeah, so yeah, there's like the toxic work culture of like, oh, I need to work all the time. But then there's also the more insidious things that I don't think get talked about enough 
out of maybe even fear of sounding like bragging. But at any given point, you can ask me an idea for something and then I can strategically figure out how does it make sense for your business. Right. But I'm too afraid in the past to have said that and that that comes really easy for me because that imposter there says that it has to be hard. It has to, it shouldn't be so easy. You got to work hard for it because hustle, hustle, right? And so that took things that maybe could have taken me 10 minutes for a client. And then the myth of more, let it take an hour to come up with this concept because I was like, oh, it needs more things to it. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I had it figured out 10 minutes ago. (laughs) One of the things that I've been exploring this year has been really taking the time to work on trusting my intuition more, showing up more, taking up more space, while also having boundaries in place so I'm able to take care of myself. I began to pose the question for myself of what would be possible if I did these things. What would be possible for your brand visibility if you could attract new clients who enthusiastically shared your values and vision? If you could get out of the hustle of content creation and focus on building meaningful relationships that turn passive followers into fans and fans into clients and clients into lifelong referral sources. Well, every month inside Pause on the Play the Community, Erica Corday and I host a live Q&A session where you can ask us anything. You can get the individualized feedback on how to do exactly that. You can get access to our Q&A sessions as well as replay videos from past ones and access to all of the workshops that we've had in our community over the years by joining us today at pauseontheplay.com slash community. That's pauseontheplay.com slash community. We'd love to have you there. The interesting thing about that that came up for me was, of course, that piece of perfectionism and how it's a lie. It obviously belongs to a system that is not equitable, but how it loves to play with your imposter and tell you all kinds of stories. And when I listened to your recent episode with with Amna, like that punched me in the face. I was like, oh, perfectionism. Oh, no, wait. And that's honestly, that's why I'm so excited for her workshop that's coming up in the community, because when she started to mention that concept of creative hoarding, I was like, my gosh, like it just kind of blew everything. And I'm wondering how for you that awareness when it comes to, um, you know, perfectionism or how your imposter likes to come up and tell you lies you know, how have you kind of integrated things to kind of knock them back and not allow them to be in the in the driver's seat controlling things? Uh, it's such a good question. Um, and I'll say that that has been one of my favorite episodes to date out of the many, many episodes we've recorded on both podcasts. Um, there was just so many takeaways from it. And especially being a creative and someone who has a creative degree and is expected to come up with creative ideas that are also strategic for people. There was a lot in it, um, in that conversation that stuck with me. Yet the most simple thing that's really stuck with me that I didn't expect was Amna's concept of thinking of 
creating and having the ideas as inhaling and releasing that into the world as exhaling. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm sitting over here waiting to exhale. What the hell is wrong with me? so funny you said that because that's exactly where my mind went was the movie I'm like oh no oh no there's a lot in that movie and that is not how I'm trying to live I was like wait what that blew my whole mind I was like I don't exhale enough and as somebody working on my spirituality knowing that breathing is a huge part of like not letting stress or anxiety or whatever get you I was like oh shit wait I don't exhale enough. Yeah. I was like, and so in full transparency here, you know, I feel comfortable sharing the listeners here at this point um, that I've explored like many different modalities of trauma healing in my own personal life, like firsthand. And I believe it was about 2020 when there was so much going on in the world, but also in my personal life um, that I dove into looking at biofeedback. Uh, And without spending too much time explaining some complicated scientific meets psychotherapy thing that I'm not even feeling like uh, is my area to explain. (laughs) What we found from biofeedback testing with me is that I would benefit the most from paying attention to my breathing because my breathing and my heart rate were not matching up. And that was the area that I recovered it took me the longest to recover after stress induced things. So when she said that, I was like, Oh, this is so important. And I think it applies to everyone. But for me, what I want to integrate is a reminder that when I'm taking my daily time to notice my breath and to ask myself of my breathing in for the same amount of time that I'm breathing out because I can continue to breathe in and that my breathing out is short, which creates tension and dysregulation. How might that be playing into anything that I have in my head as an idea? Have I released those things on paper? And so in a roundabout way, it brought me back to also looking at what Cynthia shared in the human design workshop, which is that my open head also takes in everyone else's ideas. (laughs) And I absolutely need to sit at my desk at the end of each day, whether that is a working day or not. Maybe sometimes if it's not, I need to sit at at the nightstand or something like that in bed and write out all the ideas and thoughts and get them out of my head. I don't need to do anything with them, but it has been such a great integration and reminder to continue to do that because then I go to bed more restful. Then I wake up with a clear mind. Then I feel like I have a clear direction of which out of those things to do first. And I don't feel like that creative spark or some people say that creative muse that comes to visit you is still tapping me on my shoulder in the sleep and saying, hey, here's another idea that you're supposed to like share with this person because it's really going to make a difference in their business. (laughs) Like come back at 9 a.m., please. Right. (laughs) That, that. So that, of course, makes me think about how um, amplification is showing up for you, because obviously there's this awareness around breath and how there's a lack of exhaling that does not put (laughs) you in the place that you want to be. But 
it it really makes me think about, you know, how is it that you're kind of choosing what to amplify in your life that is in support of you doing the things that are more helpful for you? Like, what are you integrating through that lens? Um, I mean, I think a big thing for me when it comes to amplification has always been recognizing that I love and I'm really great at amplifying values aligned brands and their content and what they're up to and seeing the connecting dots between what this brand or individual or business might relate back to something else happening over here. And so because that comes so natural for me, to be honest, I feel like that's always going to be like a number one thing. And I've noticed that even when I've started to question <laughs> that um, and get curious about it, and maybe even like decrease the amount of time that I'm spending with on doing that, I feel like something's missing. So <laughs> giving that the amount of time that it deserves has been really, really important for me. And recognizing that that is a part of my allyship because access and awareness that a brand even exists, that a human even exists, can really make all the difference. I mean, it truly does. How many people do we know that are incredible at something, are are super kind, or whatever it is that makes them spark is, is the light of their fire, but they don't know the right people to get to the next place that they want to go. So it wouldn't be me interviewing you over here on Flying Your Fire and to leave behind to ask you, as you mentioned the word fire, as we are having an entire <laughs> conversation about integration, all of that to be said, what about flaunting your fire right now? Really is just feeling like the thing. Oh, I, I should have known you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I switched it up on how I asked it a little bit. I tried. <laughs> but you asked it. <laughs> I did. I, I did. feel like my guest now. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what do I say here? <laughs> well, sometimes it's good to be on the other side. Now you, okay, there we go. Now, now <laughs> you got the question. Oh, what is lighting my fire right now? What is supporting me with lighting my fire? I think a lot of it has been decolonizing myself and my yeah. life. Ooh, that's the whole statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to look at how outside systems oppress people, but it's another to really take the time to see where are you doing that to yourself? Where are you using those tools on yourself? And that sounds like such heavy work, but there's been days where it's challenging and there's been days where it lights me up. And I think that the days that it lights me up are so much more worth, you know, focusing on that than the challenging ones. Uh, it's looked like everything from prioritizing when do we get a week off from work mm -hmm. <laughs> over, you know, making sure um, that the work is, you know, there uh, and realizing that there's a lot of stories that can come up with that that are just not true. I mean, we come back and it's business as usual, like right. nobody's brand burned down while we were gone. Right. <laughs> That. They functioned really well and actually they've thrived um, because they had a blueprint in front of them before we left. Right. It's been recognizing uh, in my personal life where where do I still have opportunity to be more of myself? 
Um, I recently like chopped all my hair off. Now I did get in a car accident and broke my arm. So blow drying out two different hair textures was just not going to work with a broken wrist. But at the same time, it also was a great opportunity to ask myself, you know, is this the hair that I want right now? Does this fit the lifestyle that I have right now? And where might there still be stories of how I need to look in order to be approachable, respectable, intelligent, qualified to have this podcast or own these businesses? And realizing that like that's the own internalized racism and obtaining of the systems that is my work to do right now. And letting go, like actually doing the work, cutting the hair has created so much freedom when I go to the gym and sweat, you know, and I'm giving like simple examples, but it just, it funnels into everything that you touch, everything that you do. So it's been so worth it. Everything that you said ties it back so beautifully to where we started because all those examples and, you know, actual actionable pieces that's what integration is. It's figuring out how the different actions that you take and things that you think uh, and the things that you don't do are in support of the types of outcomes that you want and how they all work together to create a working conduit. I mean, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up by literally laying out what is integration and how does it work and how does it support you? Yeah. And I so thank you for this episode because uh, it's, you know, we said it over for those of you listening. If you haven't already, please check out Pause in the Play's podcast. Open your app. Do a search for Pause in the Play because I interview you, Erica, about the same things over there. But it's one thing to know what you've been doing. It's another to to share it and to have such great questions and the way that you've posed them here. And to have that opportunity to actually be interviewed on your own podcast is just a whole different experience in itself. (laughs) I appreciate you for being willing to be able to flaunt your fire in front of all the listeners and readers that love taking in your content every single time you release it to the world. You know, having this podcast has been such a beautiful and just very insightful and well-rounded part of my own accountability to keep learning and not just learn the things and do the things, but actually fully integrate and embody them. I mean, every time that I'm here with a new episode, with a new guest, you're getting to see not just what they're bringing in conversation or the topics we're covering, but also my own evolution. So I just want to say thank you for continuing to listen to the show And whether you knew it or not, thank you for keeping me accountable along with our community members. Every week, I really do take the time to look at your feedback and listen to the comments that you have. And the beautiful thing is our community members are able to make recommendations and suggestions for things that they want in the podcast. And so just all of those things coming together have been a baked in part of my own learning, unlearning, integration, and visibility wrapped in one. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for being here. And I have to tell you, we have some cool interviews and episodes ahead. So make sure you keep listening. 
The Font Your Fire podcast is recorded on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. This land is known by many as the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., and its surrounding area. And the Flaunt Your Fire podcast is brought to you by Pause and Play. You are able to learn more about its workshops, its community, and its app, and all the great things that Pause and the Play has to offer over at pauseontheplay.com. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?